Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made from best to worst. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? You know, um, I've been finding a lot of solace in video games. <laughs> yeah, which ones Which ones are you playing this week? So, I just discovered a, in the Year of Our Lord, uh, Anno Domine 2021, I found a Flash game that I really liked. <laughs> Ryan, have you heard of Friday Night Funkin'? <laughs> Never. Wait, I wasn't aware that Flash was still a, a platform. This is incredible. What? But please, what? What is this game? So Friday Night Funkin', which is available on Newgrounds. <laughs> Holy shit! Holy <laughs> but shit! But also itch.io for like real people. <laughs> Man, on a, it. Yeah, Flash games were some of like my first introduction to in, like anything on the internet. Like, you you could not escape Flash games back in the day. Well, hold on to your butt, Ryan, because not only is this a Flash game, (laughs) but it is a uh, Parappa the Rappa-style rhythm game. Oh, shit. Where you are trying to uh, date your girlfriend, and your girlfriend's dad is a demonic ex-rock star. So you have to get in a singing battle to win your girlfriend's hand which like the gender politics are kind of sketchy oh sure but all of the music is like hyper pop hyper pop 100 gex style vocaloids Mm -hmm. and you just use wazi or the arrows and just uh ddr with your play dance dance revolution with your fingers you know what i was about to clown um you playing a a flash game on newgrounds this actually sounds dope as hell it is amazing the music is infectious and has wormed its way very deep into my brain it's got the perfect quantity of um scott pilgrim and also just like internet micro genres yeah i was gonna i was gonna say kind of tenacious d with like having a a a singing battle with satan yeah so in the uh later level you actually fight the mom the demonic mom of your girlfriend and uh the first song is a new jack swing song it's like (laughs) 90s r&b bop and the mother is flanked by demons in hammer pants dancing on a limousine. <laughs> God damn that! But also, see, all the vocals are vocaloid, so it is a hundred percent robots going meet moo moo ma meet mer meet moo. <laughs> depending on which way you point the arrows on your keyboard. Holy shit! This is honestly so. I, I've been uh, so I finished Yakuza Zero, and I'm I'm now making my way through the series proper, starting with um, Yakuza Kiwami, which is like the, the the original game on PS2 that they remastered for PS4. Anyway, uh, the, the, there are so many mini games in it, and also a lot of rhythm mini games. Where there's one where you have to disco dance, uh, and like it's a rhythm game, and then there's the the karaoke. Uh, mini game, which apparently like th- th- this was my first understanding of Yakuza was the karaoke mini game because of the meme with like Baka Mitai from the the thing, but with Dobby from Harry Potter's face superimposed over him on karaoke. Um, the internet is so goddamn weird. And so anyway, are you familiar with Crypt of the Necro Dancer? Oh, I um, I love that. So on my Nintendo, uh, it lists the the games played from most to least. Mm-hmm. Crypt of the Necrodancer is in my top tier next to Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing. So, like, we're talking 
200 hours worth of Crimson So you're saying that like the, the Spotify year-end thing that shamed me by being, by being like, you're one of Rob Zombie's 1% of super fans. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> shaming you. Like you have played so much goddamn Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh my god! All right, so let's get into let's get into the the movie we're doing this week. Uh, holy shit! I'm probably gonna have to uh, put a trigger warning at the beginning of this because although I, I feel like we could just start off with the fact that like, hey guys, this is early John Waters, which should I think serve as a trigger warning. So I just watched the I Am Divine documentary on Netflix, which is one Ooh. of the major reasons why I wanted to do an early John Waters movie for this podcast. Hell yeah! Um, and what I love is that, especially towards the end of Divine's career, he was like, so many people have asked me about the dog shit. It doesn't matter what it is anymore. I'm yeah. on. Man, Divine's, honestly, uh, Divine's commitment to eating, shoot, like, disgusting things on on camera puts puts her in like the top 10% of like honestly we jerk it to like brando doing method no cowards divine will eat horrifying things on camera in a way that like oh. look dustin hoffman's ass isn't eating like raw animal parts oh and in the documentary they have uh shots from the day mm-hmm. and apparently they just had to follow the dog around and when they were filming pink flamingo goes they had to follow the dog around, and John Waters was like, Divine, when it shits, just eat whatever comes out. And they had given the dog laxatives, so Divine's like, it wasn't even normal consistency dog shit, it was runny dog shit. Oof. But that's... He, he's such a master of his craft. And I'm using he because um, everyone in the documentary talks about how um, it was simply a character. It's it's a drag persona, and there is mm-hmm. there's a pretty um, extensive part of the film where they talk about divine sexuality, mm-hmm. and they're like, "No, divine was not trans. This is a job. This was yeah. a thing." And and he actually spent most of his time out of costume, and frequently said like, "Oh, I hate wearing dresses, but this is my." <laughs> This Do you know is who... my career? <laughs> so, so I haven't seen the documentary, but so I fell down. Uh, so, upon rewatching Multiple Maniacs, I, I uh, did a deep dive. We're doing with... Multiple Maniacs, folks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're doing Multiple Maniacs uh, by John Waters from 1970. Which this movie, I feel, I here's the thing. It's the first feature length John Waters, and it's definitely a nerd with a 16 millimeter not really knowing what he's doing. Oh, he he can barely hold that fucking camera. Now, the thing about it is, uh, the movie Multiple Maniacs, so, you know, like, I'm, you know, watching it in the harsh light of 2021 um, as a, you know, I'm queer and non-binary and tired also. And I'm like, a, you know, I also, you know, we do a podcast where we watch upsetting things, like, technically for money. And so, you know, I've seen a lot of really upsetting stuff. And so part of me was tempted to be like, ugh, I get it. This is, you know, whatever. But if I if I had been a, a queer person during 1970 that had just seen this, I would have been rock hard to see yeah. this level of, like, transgressive queer cinema. Yeah, it is wholly and unapologetically queer. 
And and I think that's the point is mm-hmm. it's just a bunch of kids in Baltimore saying what what can we do to freak out the norm? <laughs> yeah, well, and and you know, I, I found myself wondering like I I, I think I I saw a portal to hell while watching this, and that portal to hell would be um like a sixteen year old queer kid on Tumblr now having discourse about early John Waters with other 16-year-olds, like, trying to make sense of, like, I feel like this is the worst thing I've ever seen and deeply problematic. So John Waters is also a notorious interviewer and is always, you know, game for a pull quote. Mm -hmm. In I Am Divine, he was saying, well, you all don't understand. It was the late 60s. And being gay was very dangerous. And he's like, mm-hmm. frankly, it was a lot more fun. <laughs> and then he winks at the camera. I mean, that's kind of the thing is like, there's something. They interviewed so- Divine's girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, um, we went to this costume party and he dressed up like Elizabeth Taylor. And I thought he was so beautiful. And then we got to the party and everyone was dressed like Elizabeth Taylor. And I thought that was weird, but. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, you know, that was that was just the style at the time. I mean, you got to understand, everybody was dressing up like Elizabeth Taylor during those days. The men, the women. Um, now, and honestly, the thing is with John Waters, I uh, this was years ago. Um, John Waters was, he was flogging a new book that he had out. Uh, and so I went with uh, Christina and my buddy Anna, and we, we like went out. So I think it was like Burbank or something, uh, where he was, you know, like giving a, giving a talk and sort of... The thing about John Waters is he... Like, he is a gay man, but he also comes from money in a way that, like, he's never really had to worry about where his next meal was coming from. And so I think occasionally, like, you know, he's still an old white guy. Like, yes, he's John Waters and he's, like, the prince of filth. But there are going to be some blind spots, especially with, like, a guy... I mean, this is a movie from 1970. Like, there are so many things about John Waters. Like, he would say something spicy during the talk about, you know, like, uh, ah, trigger warnings on textbooks are bad because college is where you're supposed to get exposed to new ideas or whatever. And it's like, look, somebody probably explained the concept of trigger warnings badly to him. And also, he's older than shit. Like, I'm not expecting <laughs> him to to have the same language we have to talk about being queer. So... What is the plot of this movie, Multiple Maniacs? <laughs> so, Multiple Maniacs. All right, so we're starting out uh, okay, with... And, and when I ask you what is the plot, I don't mean the Wikipedia summary, <laughs> because I read that Wikipedia article, uh, and it is not the same movie I saw. It no. is such a belabored, no, 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 what actually is going on is this. I was like, it is literally scenes set pieces and and dialogue and then a transition to another scene and no real uh connection in between i mean that's you know uh, here's all right you know how the plot of purple rain is prince is awesome yeah uh the plot of john waters multiple maniacs is be gay do crimes um (laughs) that's it's pretty much now and it's all right so uh this movie follows uh, a a group of uh, grifters slash sort of circus geeks like they're they've got this like sort of oddity sideshow thing where it's we start out with um, a guy named uh, Mr. David. Uh, now, by the way, uh, Mr. He's David actually just David Lockery. It's yeah. just like everyone in this movie. They're like, eh. David Lockery, who plays a guy named Mr. David. Actually, what's incredible, everybody in this plays, like, Mink Stoll plays someone named Mink. Cookie uh, Cookie Muller plays someone named Cookie Divine. 
uh, except Paul Swift plays Steve. Uh, <laughs> and so at the top of this thing, you know, we've got uh, Mr. David, who has, I want to say, the worst haircut I've ever seen in this movie. It's it's so insane. Also, David Lockhart, Lockery uh, did all of the divine makeup and kind of helped develop that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. David Lockery was the one that's like, shave your hairline back to behind your ears so we can put bigger um, eyebrows on you. Yeah, apparently, um, you know, and, and Divine even said, like, I had never even heard the word drag before David Lockery. Like, David Lockery yeah. was the one who kind of, you know, hipped, you know, hipped him to the whole thing. And David Lockery was a hairdresser. And, you know, I don't want to come off too spicy on this podcast and say that hairdressers are notoriously bad at doing their own hair. <laughs> but David Lockery does have a widow's peak uh, dark roots, but bleach blonde, curly hair uh, mullet. Yeah, it's it's a real the cobbler's children go shoeless sort of a thing. <laughs> like you're this, he's maybe it just he you know he was immune to his own his own acumen. His hair was limp, so Divine's hair could <laughs> soar. That's what it is. He allowed his hair to be defeated so that Divine's could be uh, triumphant. Um, and he, so at the top of the movie, you know, he's got a, 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 not a megaphone, but he's like, he's pulling a carnival barker routine where he's doing patter to like draw people in. Uh, now he's just standing in the middle of like a little pocket park in the middle of like Baltimore. Yeah, it is literally, they walk down the street <laughs> and set up and just are like, Go ahead and start talking, David. Yeah, yeah. And so apparently, like, all you had to do to draw a crowd in 1970 uh, is to, like, roll up to Baltimore with a tent and then promise uh, the suburbanites all manner of horrors, like, these dudes kiss and this guy is on drugs. Uh, and, you and know, we also, get... Also, here's a guy that eats puke, which made me <laughs> about Yarf. Apparently, uh, the guy who eats puke, apparently that was creamed corn. Uh, well. Yeah, which is actually to me like more upsetting than puke because I'm <laughs> creamed corn is it was de- devised by demons. Like I don't, I hate creamed corn so much. Um, and so you know we get him sort of promising the people like you know like ah uh, quote real actual filth who have been carefully screened in order to present to you the most flagrant violation of natural law known to man. Um. And but he's just like standing in the middle of a field by himself yelling this, which feels very quarantine feelings. <laughs> just also, of... everyone that walks by is like, "We don't really have time for that," and they keep walking. He's like, <laughs> "No, really, please come into our our cavalcade of debauchery." Yeah, you know what it is. This routine wouldn't have worked in Minnesota because everybody would have just been too fucking nice about it. Because it would be like, "Ah, come look at these vile degenerates making out," and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that sure is tra- transgressive." They're okay. I gotta go. Uh, you have a good one. Like they would just be perfectly nice and dismissive about it. Um, but you know, so we get you know exposed to this uh, uh, group of people now, and we you know we sort of keep cutting to to back behind the tent, and it's all of them. Quincy, you've seen uh, Untucked from RuPaul's Drag Race, right? Yes. Where it's just all of them sitting in the Untucked lounge talking shit. That's like most of this movie. It's like um, the Boulay Brothers drag show where they're like, oh, the popular part of Drag Race is reading. So we're just going to make the entire show reading and talking shit in the green room and um, the one 
uh, challenge of the week. That's what it is. Like, you know what? You know what I'm always saying about drag? It's too nice and approachable. What if we made it more mean-spirited and catty? <laughs> like, we, let's just ratchet that up a little bit and make it more hostile and accessible. Um, now, we, we, you know, we get a bunch of the, the hippies, like, chewing on, like, women's underwear and, like, laughing, like, <laughs> and we've got A bicycle this... seat? There's a woman just, like, smooching a bicycle seat, which... How much of this is supposed to be, like, um, satire of suburban hand-wringing? Oh, I'm going to say 100% of this movie. Now, that's the thing. Like, so much of this movie uh, is uh, a parody of... It's like a rude parody of human relations by a, by an alien who's just, like, super bitchy. And just like, whatever, this is what you guys look like. Where you've got, you know... we also have to recognize that we are not of... Waters's generation. Oh yeah. So a lot of the things that come normal, it, it's just like how I had to explain the um, singular they to my parents by saying, mm-hmm. just pretend that the person has a mouse in their pocket because grammar was too. They're like, that's not grammatically correct. <laughs> Which is also silly because the singular they has been around since Shakespeare. Come on, guys. But yeah, I also, mean, like, it's- grammar is. Literally made up. Like, yeah, each lang we we just kind of make it up as we go along, and we all just sort of agree on on language. Yeah, like, yeah. N- natural pronouns don't grow on fucking hedges. Like we get to decide what <laughs> words mean. Um, which actually, this reminds me of, uh, I was talking to my dad, um, a couple of days ago and, uh, uh, Sarah came up and my, my dad like misgendered them and then was like, oh shit, sorry, it's them, right? It's them. And I was, and, and I, I didn't know how to tell him like, I love you. The fact that you are trying means so much. Like <laughs> he has largely given up on knowing how to do it with me because I, you know, I've, I've been my dad's kid for 34 years. So he just thinks of me as a dude, uh, but I, I think the fact that he's doing it with Sarah is like, you know what? Yeah, right. You got that one. That's that's good. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to work with that. Um, but yeah, like watching a movie made in 1970 with like a, a mostly queer cast, like I can't even imagine making like this was the movie that an angry young queer kid in Baltimore is going to make during this period. Oh yeah, and it's like, you know, they're probably thinking we're smooching bicycle seats and eating <laughs> cream corn. Yeah, just all that kind of stuff. And you've got, you know, the, the, the normies sort of standing around yelling things that sound like auto-generated mean straight people things like, why don't they like females? And <laughs> ah, these are homosexuals in a tent. Like, it's, uh, it's incredible. the way that two mustachioed men in the 1970s are kissing in this movie is shot as if it is a horror film. It's- yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know that, you know that thing in fan fiction of people, uh, their tongues battling for dominance? <laughs> it's basically that, where it's like a, it's like their, their, their tongues are cars and just crashing. Just angles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's, I feel like there must have been like foley for the kisses of just like somebody gently stirring a bowl of chili. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it, all of this, I think, I wonder how many people realized that they were ace after watching this movie and were just like, <laughs> I am not interested in sexual relations with any other human beings. And this movie helps me realize that. Also, the the uh, penultimate act, like, and there, there are levels of depravity because they're like, mm-hmm. Mr. David's like, you thought that was gross. Look at this. <laughs> Right. They're and like, then, here's dudes kissing. Now here's the vomit eater. 
And now, here's a guy on heroin who's going through withdrawals, and we're going to let him shoot up in front of you. Oh, man. And this guy is just, like, writhing, and everyone's just like, oh, he's doing dope. Um, and so we go from that to uh, David being like, hey, if you think all of this is super fucked up, Baltimore, come look at what we got in the back of our tent. And it turns out that what they've got in the back of their tent is you getting mugged. Um, where it's just all of the performers, like, they drop a net, like, cartoon fucking Wiley Coyote-style net onto these... Ewok-ass on- motherfucking net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, just these huge nets. And then, so, you know, Divine's got them at gunpoint, and then, you know, they're just, like, verbally abusing these these normies and just, like, yelling about how, like, you know, we're probably gonna kill all of you, eh, just give us your wallets and we won't tell the cops. Now, this movie has an abiding and permanent disdain for the cops, and I'm fucking here for it. It's so good, because they're just like, cops do nothing. <laughs> and throughout yeah. the movie, the cops are the most ineffectual in uh, ineffectual possible. But also, Baltimore. <laughs> There's a history of cops in Baltimore being especially egregious. Yeah. So, for those who are unfamiliar with Divine... This is a hell of an introduction to this uh, character that that is in multiple films and and had a nightclub routine. Uh, we we cut from the puke eater to the backstage where everyone's getting ready, and there is Divine naked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, staring just... at herself in the mirror, appreciating her severe lipstick, and talking shit about everyone. Yeah, like she, I, honestly, I, this this character was like has never said a nice thing about anybody. Like it's incredible, just like the level of just constant shit talking. Also, our first introduction to her is just her butt crack. Like, she's just, like, lying on a chaise lounge and just, like, yeah, it's the first thing we see. Like, it's, you know pretty much up front, like, all right, let's get into some bullshit with this character. I also like that this is very clearly Water's first feature. So I mm-hmm. I, I also love that this is not Divine's first movie. She was in um, several of Waters' shorts, mm-hmm. including Eat Your Makeup, where she played Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> Why not, you know? So, you know, in 1968, they're doing the Kennedy assassination in a film. Man, dude, John Waters is so old. <laughs> I it's I just you just said 1968 and I'm like Jimi Hendrix wasn't dead yet. Like that's he is so old. Anyway, you know what? Good on him for being a gay man born in like the 1940s who is still alive today. Like that's Especially, you know, like he's. I'm. I'm. I'm proud of him for not dying. Yeah. Good. Good job. Yeah. So, I. I will say that the thing that I like in this movie is how John Waters does angles cleverly. So we have this really great shot where, because, uh, rather than doing some bizarre contortion like a comic book artist on a Spider-Man cover, mm-hmm. Waters is like, okay, we're going to show off Divine's makeup with a hand mirror, but we're also going to show off Divine's ass, which is showing full-on ass. Also, yeah. full-on nudity in a 1970 film. 
I mean, that's, you know, we are just shy of the fucking haze code, and Waters is like, all right, tits out for Jesus. Like, we've got to have so much fucking nudity in this movie. Um, and what's also, now, Divine's makeup, it pops so much because this movie is in black and white. Um, yeah. I don't know if they colorized it later. I saw this, um, I found the, so I've got, I've got, I've got the Criterion Channel Network. Um, and, and that, you know, that's where I saw it. And so I just kind of assumed that, like, I don't know if it's been colorized, but, you know, in black and white, Divine's makeup looks fucking great it's like mommy dearest times a hundred yeah that's a great fucking comparison like it's yeah so so much of the sort of caked on makeup of that is is in the mix here um i think the other thing that i am a little frustrated about is as a well as an adult who was like hold on a minute Maybe I am a little queer. <laughs> in the you most know, loving way and not in the, like, redneck Tennessee way, which I, I realize doesn't read on a podcast. Um, I missed out on camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think that our generation missed out on camp in a way that uh, the the boomers uh, were, were appreciating it all along. But this movie is so fucking campy yeah i mean honestly with camp i feel like what it was we had like mid you know by the time that we were coming of age we got maybe like midnight showings of rocky horror most of us and that was like the the most camp we were getting exposed to um this movie like it's uh, camp almost doesn't cover multiple maniacs (laughs) like there are no like emotionally sincere earnest moments like this entire thing and yet so much of the emotion of it is just like it's not even like uh you know affected sort of you know listlessness or whatever everybody is emoting 200 percent all the time um it's it's like it's uh it's fucking incredible like there are no super the entire dialogue in this movie is super villain monologues yeah yeah that's everybody in this movie just constantly you know monologuing at each other and so divine shows up and is like give me all your money and let me tell you my evil plot to steal straight people's money (laughs) you know what 1970 praxis just you know what i think i'm gonna rob straight people specifically (laughs) Um, you know, so we get sort of introduced to, I guess, the central relationship of the movie between, uh, Divine and David. Um, now, David is obviously, like, there's something that I think John Waters loves doing, which is all of my actors are queer because those are the circles I run in. I think John Waters, the guy that's, like, into watching somebody's butthole dilate while Surfin' Bird plays or watching Divine Eat Dog Shit... I think John Waters is, like, horrified by heterosexual romance. (laughs) Like, I think that's the thing that actually freaks him out. Because, you know, we've got, you know, so many gay actors in this movie that have to do hetero, like, make-out and sex scenes. And every actor just, you can tell that they're just like, oh, all right, get through it, get through it. Like, it's like the creamed corn scene, but with bodies. Yeah, and Miss Divine is textually a cisgender woman. Yeah, yeah. Like, the movie is not winking at you like, this is a drag queen. Like, this movie is just like, yeah, Divine's a woman. Fuck you. <laughs> like, it's great. Um, we So we get introduced to, uh, there's a character named Bonnie, who is uh, gunning for our man David. Um, and David, who, by the way, uh, Mr. David, uh, have you seen Letterkenny? Yes. He sounds 
dead on like Glenn the gay pastor from Letterkenny, <laughs> where it's just like sort of Fey Southern accent and just like emoting really big. Um, and Bonnie, uh, Who's a gerontophiliac and a coprophagist. Wait, so, okay, so coprophagist means you're eating shit. Gerontophiliac, is that like old people? You fuck old people. But again, it's, it, it is so high schooler that got the dictionary and looked up one <laughs> weird word and uses it in every sentence because they're edgy. Uh, which is, is me. <laughs> so Bonnie wants uh, David to leave Divine for her, and she says things like, please, let's get a room upstairs where we can perform acts. Like, uh, that scene in uh, Cronenberg's Crash where um, she's, like, like, dirty talking to James Spader, like, a textbook, and just using extremely clinical terms, that's, like, all of her dialogue. Which is, again, like, ew, uh, heterosexual <laughs> sex. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. This um, movie also, I think, might be the first Edith Massey movie. Oh. And, uh, bless her heart. <laughs> you know, she's done her time. <laughs> like, Edith Massey is, yeah. Like, she's, she's especially incredible in this movie. Um, and so... We start getting into the relationship between, such as it is, between David and, and uh, Divine. My favorite recurring bit of this movie. Now, this this happening in 1970, uh, the Sharon Tate murder had just happened. Um, <laughs> and I think, that, what, did they not know that it was the Manson family yet? So the script, when they started pre-production, the ending was going to be a reveal that Divine killed Sharon Tate. Right. But while they were working on the movie, <laughs> the headline broke that it was Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. And now it also kind of makes sense that like, okay, 1970s, the death of the free love movement. We're getting out of the 1960s. Everybody's wearing deodorant now. Um, and, you know, we've got this sort of traveling uh, murder cult of weirdos, uh, kind of, I guess, Manson adjacent for values of 1970. Yeah, weirdly parallel thinking here. Yeah, uh, and so uh, throughout the thing, like, David and, and Divine are being catty at each other, um, and then uh, finally Divine is like, you know what, you, like, you're not so innocent, how about Sharon Tate? And, and David is like, I told you never to mention that again, because, like, he blacked out and didn't know what he had done, and it's just, like, heavily implied that he killed Sharon Tate. Um it, you know, it was a weird experience watching this movie that was made in the exact uh, historical moment it was made in. Um, so we, uh, I don't know, like, I, hmm, wait, okay. So Edith Massey is the barmaid, which is, you know, literally where they found her is working at this bar. So they're nice. like, Hey, will you just say this line in front of the camera? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so basically. Edith is like, Divine, your man's down here with a hussy. <laughs> Divine is like, absolutely not. So she changes outfits and storms downtown <laughs> in six-inch heels. You know what? You want an outfit change for this, I feel. You want to be lo you want to be looking your best when you roll up on the bar to kill David. Um, but on the way there, uh, Divine... Now, and I need our listeners to understand that during all of this, raucous saxophone music is playing. Um, and not like atonal free jazz, <clears throat> like Benny Hill 
yakety sax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whimsical sort of, you know, uh, uh, sax music. Uh, Divine gets there. There are two people who are sniffing glue. Um, Which again, this whole movie is like, what do suburban Baltimoreans <clears throat> clutch their pearls at? It's it's people sniffing wood glue, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, John Waters. I'm gonna say a thing and see if it's true. John Waters does body horror. I think he is permanently fascinated by and disgusted by the human body. I, um, I would argue that is why we're talking about this film, is it is about how gross people are. Like, yeah, like, listen, on, if we're doing exploitation movies on this podcast, like, is, is like, carbon-based being exploitation a genre of movie? Because John Waters is solely engaged in it. The Faustian Nonsense Network is here to help you produce your best work. We can edit, direct, draft, storyboard, and help your podcast increase its output and connect with the right audience. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. If you have a creative project that you want to monetize and get the most out of, Faustian Nonsense can make it happen. Come join our community and let's build something great together. So, two people are sniffing glue, and while uh, Divine is en route to... Uh, the bar to catch David, who's, you know, sort of carousing with with this floozy, uh, gets tackled by the, the glue sniffers and they sort of s- simulate rape on the pavement. There's also voiceover throughout this film of Divine and her inner monologue. And again, because written by a man horrified by heterosexual penetration. Mm-hmm. Divine's character says that was not the first time I've been raped, but it was definitely the least pleasurable. And it's like, wow, weird. John, John, come on, John. I get that we're being as gross as we can, but there are limits to taste. Yeah, I which for a John Waters movie, by the way. I but so we you know we we get this scene that happens, and uh, it's not now a thing. I will say. I think it's not a super brutal scene because John Waters did not have the budget for it. Like, all we yeah, really and that's got... that's the thing that's really interesting is how frequently in this movie there are these clever little fake-outs. So, like, it, there's only, he only owns one camera. So mm-hmm. what is actually an innovative shot of Divine's ass and her hand mirror is a solution of we can't shoot this shot with multiple angles. I mean, it's now... And also, we want her to be nude without showing her genitals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, those limitations helped make him be creative for those shots. Yeah, and we can't do special effects of heroin, so he's gonna... This guy's gonna turn his back on the audience and and cheat to, you know, cheat out of camera. And same with, Mm -hmm. like, we're gonna have Divine's... uh, upper arms like hanging out of the alley and then we're just going to see shadows in the alley so like it actually makes for a you could argue that this is a better film than crybaby or hairspray because those uh limitations were the whetstone that honed the the knife edge yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, you know, we can't have a, a, a really, you know, well shot, you know, scene doing this. Um, and so it's almost kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre levels of like a lot of the shots are obscured and you're kind of just like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know what's going on there, though. In a way that like 
Now, this movie is obviously graphic in ways that Texas Chainsaw would never dream of being, with, like, wild nudity and, and like, transgression. And this um, did get an X, whereas Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre notoriously fought the MPAA every step to get a wider release. God bless. And this movie was a destined for New York City and also the church basement that John Waters rented to <laughs> show his movies in Baltimore to his friends. That's what it is. Like, this is either, you're either seeing this in an unsanitary theater on, like, 42nd Street, or you're finding a copy of it in the woods with your friends and then never talking about it again after you watch it the first time. Um and so, you know, uh, we get uh, Divine sort of uh, getting up after they, they run off, after they've, you know, they've done it. And uh, she has a kind of religious uh, revelation. Yeah, and the infant of Prague, which is the Christ <laughs> child, but in this specific European costume from this uh, holy relic, shows up and just strolls with her down the sidewalk and it's also very a very pure moment because this is clearly a child uh this is someone's little brother yeah this is someone's kid who's just like hey can you hold hands with the with the nice man and just like you know sort of walk around the block a couple of times um he's like sure i mean he does get to wear a pretty sharp pope costume like it's he's got you know it's like jangly it's got a hat um but so we get now and I'm just going to like say this for me. I don't know if I'm just a fucking ghoul, but this religious montage goes on for a an, an exceptionally long time. And I got to the point of just being like, can we get back to the creamed corn and the, the shooting people, please? Like, again, I think it's because also in 1970, the thing you really have to do to stick it to suburban baltimore is talk about how religion is full of shit man <laughs> yeah but it's, yeah it's everyone from the regular movie dressed in like church basement bathrobes and like cotton ball beards doing the crucifixion <laughs> Yeah, like, and, you know, it's kind of great because, you know, you get uh, Divine talking to the saints in this little internal monologue and being like, I mean, I want to repent for my sins, but I can't think of any of them. So I feel a great sense of kinship with all of you. (laughs) It's just like, I mean, even Edith Massey is the mother of Christ and (laughs) Jesus is just some friend of theirs. Yeah, like it's, you know, that's you've 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 got it exactly right. Like if you're, you know, trying to, you know, uh, put a put a stick in the eye of suburban Baltimore and like polite folk. You know what? Just if you're gonna do sexual and and vi- you know violent transgression, throw blasphemy on the pile. I guess. And then have Mink stole use a rosary as anal beads. Now here we go. So we we are off to the fucking races here. Uh, so Divine has found her way to a church, and uh, a person named Mink, played by Mink, uh, who's the the re- uh, what's her name? The religious horror. Yeah. Yeah, the religious whore uh, sort of sits down next to her in in the booth. So uh, textually, these are both uh, cisgender women, um, and they kind of just start like fucking around in the pew of the yeah. church. Um, it, it starts as like that. Mink is a, a pew behind, and then like moves up a pew, and then like slides over yeah is this pew taken like yeah and then shoves her tongue 
as into uh, Divine's colon through her mouth. <laughs> Quincy, I'm, I'm never kissing anyone again after this movie. <laughs> That's it. It's fucking close for business. I'm going to put like a Mad Max style like grill in front of my face. Never again. Never eating corn. Never kissing anyone. <laughs> Never going to Baltimore. Um, but so so let's talk about how it's not just cis. It's not heter just heterosex. It's gross to John Waters. It's mm-hmm. anything but anal sex. Because also this movie's like yuck lesbians. What are their deals? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where it's just like ew. I guess we're doing this. But you know the the moment that you can sort of feel John Waters' little ears perk up like a German Shepherd's behind his Dutch angle camera. Uh, is so mink uh, is using a rosary uh, as a, as anal beads and just like you know sticking them up divine's ass uh, in in the church and so this is also um, contrasted with the fact that you know we get to see David getting pegged by Bonnie uh, with a with a dildo um, so I guess they're trying to d- draw parallels yeah and it's also all happening while. Christ is being crucified. Right. So we've got so all of this with... The three scenes being interspliced. Well, yeah. You know, there's like a bit of a sort of a LARP uh, with Jesus of Nazareth, where it's just like sort of a... a, a you know, we, we grabbed our nearest friend who needed a shower, put a white robe on him, and like mimed him getting beaten with a cat of nine tails. Um, now, this kind of makes me think of... Quincy, did you ever see The Passion of the Christ back in the day? You know, I was fortunate to be raised by a very liberal family that mm-hmm. was like, yeah, this is um, exploitative horseshit. We're not <laughs> going. Um, now, I do know people whose parents uh, forced them to go to the movie with their church, and I do know people who uh, have owned this movie because it's like out of a sense of obligation to watch it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, even though I, I came from a very liberal religious background mm-hmm. uh, background growing up, I did have an experience at a youth event where we were all given those railroad spike nails that you can buy at the hardware store that everyone is like, these are the kinds they use for crucifixions. I was like, mm-hmm. probably not, but sure. <laughs> and, yeah, they um, used good old American steel to, to nail Christ <laughs> to the, to the uh, American Redwood Cross. Like, And defo, uh, we all were given our own nail to like carry with us. And when they were handed to us, they were pressed forcefully into our palms to like woof puncture our hands <laughs> like like <laughs> actually trying you know youth ministers actually trying to draw blood with these dull you know nails. Well, i mean that's just showmanship isn't it like they're trying to make you understand the passion like ah see this could have been you but with a very <laughs> tiny nail i i actually um so i obviously i grew up super religious i i had a uh, cross necklace that was two of those nails but very very tiny ones and welded uh, together yeah. And, yeah and did you have the one that was also a third nail made that makes it a crucifix because it's a tiny jesus nail that's i didn't have the jesus nail i had the one tied into the shape of a crucifix but there was are you wait a minute hold hold on there there is a crucifix one so so if we're gonna get pedantic a cross Uh doesn't have christ a crucifix actually has the little dude hanging off of it right so my aunt had (laughs) a 
crucifix that was the railroad nails, but then a smaller nail set of nails bent in the form of Jesus hanging from the cross. So it was just a little nail that was meant to be Christ in effigy? Yeah. Wow. It's just like, eh, you know, like, what if Jesus... You know, the head is bent down and, like, (laughs) the flat circle is, like, his halo. You know what? If I'm Jesus and I see that, I'm like, come on. Come on. That's what you think I look like? Is this a fucking joke to you? I I had the worst weekend of my life and you're laughing? This is the... You think this is a game? (laughs) Minda, what is going on here? Oh, Lord have Listen, mercy. Karen. <laughs> Listen, I didn't get nailed to a board for three days and then come back and then I was totally okay for your sins. <laughs> um, this is, you know, I so I, you know, I, I guess John Waters is going to pepper in some blasphemy because sure. I mean, at this point, we might as well. It's sort of obligatory. Um, Quincy, is the camera work in this good or bad? Because I can't figure it out. Um, a lot of the camera work very very bad i'm thinking of um there's a sex scene between bonnie and david uh where she's saying to him things like oh this is better than amyl nitrate which i had to google um so apparently it was very popular cookie's boyfriend is a weatherman i had to google that that's a weather underground yeah the weather underground which uh sort of proto antifa as american uh, leftist boogeyman uh, yeah. For con- for conservatives, because like Weather Underground, I mean, wasn't I think didn't Barack Obama catch heat for being like personally associated with somebody who was a member of Weather Underground? I don't know, man. This is I cannot confirm or deny. Yeah, so amyl nitrate. We got the Weather Underground in the mix. Nineteen seventy, Baltimore. Um, and so <laughs> you know, the, but the camera work here, it's like pulled in super super close to their faces so that. Uh, you kind of just see part of his face and, like, part of her face. I'm thinking of the fact, Quincy, that on Disney Plus right now, um, of course, you can watch, you know, every season of The Simpsons, but for whatever reason, the biggest media conglomerate in the world couldn't afford to get, like, a decent DVD rip of these episodes, and so (laughs) the aspect ratio... So it's like for some busted tape from a UPN affiliate. (laughs) Yes! It drives me insane! Uh, you know, because it's just like super, super zoomed in and jank looking. Like, that's how a lot of the camera work in this looks to me, but I think it's on purpose? So, again, I cannot recommend the I Am Divine documentary as, like, of the two movies, uh, watch the documentary and skip um, Multiple Maniacs and just watch watch the the color John Waters movies. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but but one of the things that they, John Waters talks about is how he introduced uh, Divine. He would take acid with Divine, and they would watch Bergman's Hour of the Wolf. <laughs> and it's like when that lady rips her face off, man. Sorry, that's what you're watching on acid. Couldn't be me. I'm not listening. Bergman. Bergman on. Like, if I'm on, and this is in 1970, so he had to have. 
a fucking projector in his house. Hachi Machi, listen to me. If I'm tripping, I'm trying to have a nice time. I'm not going to sit there and watch fucking I Spit on Your Grave. Like, it is 100% time for the snorks on, like, Cartoon Network Classic. Like, I'm not trying to stretch my consciousness by watching someone's face get pulled off. What are we doing? Um... So, so I think it is. Um, I'm going to use one of those words critics use that's that's horseshit, and it's mm-hmm. it's just trying to be polite. Oh, please! It's adventure. The the camera work is adventurous, ambitious. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I ambitious is always sort of a backhanded word in these contexts because it usually means that like your reach exceeded your grasp. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're totally right though. Like a lot of this camera work. It, I think it's probably half and half for early John Waters, right? Like, part of it is, you know, he's got a visual language he's establishing, he's doing some very, like, there are some really fucking neat camera tricks in this thing that is not just like, all right, well, John Waters, who could barely tie his shoes, could also kind of hold a camera. Like, he kind of knows what he's doing, and sometimes I don't know if it's on purpose. Yeah, and that's like the whole movie has this air of, is this supposed? supposed to be this way like what is supposed to be actually scary repulsive and what is supposed to be a joke about what people think is scary repulsive because like yeah i can't really tell if they're like anal beads you're supposed to be grossed out or if you're supposed to be laughing or both or i'm i mean yeah like it being john waters my guess is baby why not both with like yeah. being grossed <laughs> out and it being funny and it being upsetting um i i do think that john waters now this is kind of my my theory about like his upbringing is that like he was you know sort of grew up in a well-to-do you know family in baltimore i think that his total disconnection from human need on a level of like not you know knowing if you're gonna have enough money I think it kind of frees up that part of his brain to just be like, whatever, anal beads are funny. Like in 1970, where it's just like, he's a, he's been allowed a space to basically become sort of a proto shit poster <laughs> where nothing Here's, really matters. Really, the, the director that introduces a giant lobster in the third oh, act of his movie. Oh, all right. Let's get into the lobster. poster. <laughs> Let's, all right. We're getting into the lobster right goddamn now. So uh, a bunch of bullshit happens in this movie that kind of has a plot. Uh, David gets uh, uh, killed by Divine who stabs the shit out of him, pulls out his guts and eats them. And apparently Apparently, these were actual animal organs from a local butcher, and Divine is uh, our greatest national treasure for doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Method all the way. <laughs> yeah, Brando could never. Um, but so she does this. Uh, Bonnie shoots Cookie. Uh, it, it's a lot of bullshit happens, but the important thing is that Divine is the last one left standing, and she's sort, uh, sort of sobbing on a couch, but then sort of talking to herself. Like, she's kind of giving herself, like, a pep talk, right? Like... All right, well, you're on your own now, and you're going to make it. And then, at this moment, a giant lobster puppet flies in from the side of the room. Like a six-foot lobster. <laughs> this thing is a parade float. It is huge. <laughs> it is it is enormous. And so Divine gets raped by a giant lobster puppet. Okay, so... Is that also, like clear or is that just because we've read so many there's been um 
40 or 50 years of discourse on lobster rape. Like, because it's just wiggling and she's screaming. You know, that's actually a good point. Maybe this lobster was just doing the hustle or maybe doing very, very small lobster push-ups. It's Um, very much... Now, I don't want to be a lobster apologist, but it's very (laughs) much a callback to the sorts of creature feature movies of the 50s. And especially uh, Divine's performance is very much that damsel in distress. Now, again, I fear the answer is John Waters saying, why not both? (laughs) Now, here's my question. All right. So you're you're John Waters. You're you're a young John Waters uh, at, at the start of your career. Did you know when you started this movie that a giant lobster puppet was going to sexually assault your star? Or was this, well, shit, we got 10 minutes left. Lobster? I firmly believe it is shit, we have 10 minutes left because of the um, the the lore of the production being that <laughs> the big reveal was that Divine murdered the Manson family and pinned it on <laughs> Mr. David. But then in the film, they get a newspaper and they open it and they're like, Oh, it was some creep named Manson. <laughs> yeah, so some th- scrub named Charles. It wasn't Divine was lying this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, that's how it starts out, and then they're like, "Well, shit, we got to figure out how we're going to do the rest of the ten minutes." Um, the now you you remember how Tammy and the T Rex, also on our list, uh, was basically a movie that was the director had access to a giant T Rex puppet for a brief period of time. Yes, and, and then was like, why not a movie? And decided to build a movie around it. I'm entirely sure that this movie, which that opening scene with the cavalcade of perverts, um, or uh, the cavalcade of perversion, excuse me, their proper name, um, you know, you've got them sort of like chewing on shoes and women's clothing and like sniffing bicycle seats. I'm totally sure that it was like prop comedy. Fuck, I guess we got this lying around. Let's just use it, man. You know, just use it. <laughs> I'm entirely sure that somebody was like, hey, I've got a giant lobster puppet. And John Waters was like, say no more. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing with the giant lobster. Um, And so that happens. And then the lobster, I assume, just like absconds and just goes like, all right, thank you very much. And shows himself out. And then at this point, uh, Divine goes fully, I hate Mondays. Um, and <laughs> she just, does. She's like, you're you're a maniac now, Divine. And yeah. She goes on a, a rampage. Yeah. She gets a sledgehammer. She's like hitting cars. She's like stabbing at people. Um, she racks up at least four stars on Grand Theft Auto <laughs> by the end the of the movie. The goddamn National Guard shoots her to death. The National Guard shows up. But what's amazing is that before they all shoot her to death for like a bajillion years, uh, to the point where like that many bullets, like she's her torso has been separated from the rest of her body. She's atomized. <laughs> yeah, they're just shooting wet chunks of bone into, into pavement at that point. Um, but she, you know, she's been menacing all of these people, like whole city blocks are running from Divine, and then the National Guard shows up, and they all kind of just, like, bother her with guns briefly while she's backing up, like they're just jabbing at her with the butts of, or like with the, the muzzles of their rifles. And there's no bayonets, so it's, it's just a weird <laughs> pantomime. So this uh, came out in 1970, which was the same year that the National Guard uh, killed four students and wounded nine others at Kent State who were protesting the the, the war in Vietnam. Um, 
This movie is basically like we didn't start the fires as sung by somebody who was like robo tripping and was like <laughs> three, four locos in vomiting at a truck stop and just a Harry Truman and just yeah. Um so, so who is the lobster? <laughs> what is the lobster analog in Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire? Um, the lobster in We Didn't Start the Fire has to be JFK Blown Away, I feel. <laughs> Where it's just like, this is an event that will forever alter the course of history. This lobster flying in out of nowhere. Which, by the way, I didn't know that lobster was going to happen. I yelled. <laughs> I, was, I was so happy to have gone in cold for the ending of this film when when it was just like her sobbing and then like blah lobster it was you know the jump scare in exorcist 3 with the hedge clippers <laughs> this was that level of just like what the fuck and just anyway so yeah so um the, be- the end of friday the 13th one for me the first time i saw it. <laughs> oh just jason popping out of the lake yeah yeah which by the way that jump scare that jump scare still fucking works still very good it's very good um the best but, part of that movie and franchise honestly yes that entire franchise is garbage okay um, power ranking of the friday the 13th franchise the jump scare in the first film muffins the poodle and his <laughs> subsequent death and i don't know the flying v decapitation slash the gif of Jason kicking over those punks boom boxes. That's really oh, yeah. all you need. Yeah, either that or the the outhouse uh, taking a shit and singing to your girlfriend scene in part five also very important to me. Um, just because it like that was like I don't uh, God the nineteen eighties were just completely out of their mind. Um, but so uh, Divine gets shot to death forever by the National Guard, and as this is happening, America the Beautiful plays because. John Waters is like, what's up, Baltimore? I'm going to play America the Beautiful while the National Guard is is murdering the shit out of a drag queen. Uh, And that's the movie such as it is? So is it horror? I would say yes, it is horror, and I'll tell you why. Think of every movie on this list and the way they make you feel. Like, this movie has, like, it's not meant to, I mean, it is, all right, so here's the thing. Horror movies are meant to be scary, right? This is a movie made by a man terrified of other bodies and made to terrify straight people. It is. It's supposed to be the most upsetting thing you've ever seen. Unfortunately, it is the most we upsetting. Chose to watch this movie in 2021. Man, and you know what? Maybe it's just the week I'm watching this after everything that's been going on in the news this week with the the Capitol uh, insurrection. Um, I thought this was fun. Like I, it was I had a... yeah. It was just real chill, <laughs> chill vibes only over here. Yeah, chill vibes only. I had, a, I had, a, I had a hoot watching it. Uh, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, I, I think that it's one of those movies that, like, you, if if somebody made this now and put it up on like Vimeo, I would think it was a pile of garbage. But this movie walked so that movies like this, made by people who had thought about their politics for like three seconds, could run. So, so John Waters walked so the Greasy Strangler could run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this so movie... So could fly. Yeah, this movie is the Greasy Strangler's gross cousin, like, or no, gross uncle, I would say. Like, it's, I don't know, like, there's so much here that I think is fun and interesting and cool, but also, I, I would never recommend this movie to anybody. Yeah, like, I don't think I could recommend it to anyone either. It's just... It's an interesting artifact, 
mm-hmm. but little to nothing in it is not done better elsewhere. Agreed. Except and actually, for Divine. Well, this movie, I, I think the pre- the thing is that I saw uh, Pink Flamingos. Uh, it was playing at a little uh, uh, tent at Bonnaroo the year I went to, to Bonnaroo Music Festival. Um, and I was also baked out of my gourd when I saw that for the first time. So, like, that was, I mean, this movie was sort of like a dry run for Pink Flamingos in a lot of ways. Uh, where it was also, just... Pink Flamingos double the budget. <laughs> you know, so there we go. And, that, and that's how we get buttholes dilating to Surf and Bird. Uh, this is, yeah. So, all right. So looking at our list, uh, talking about transgressive, uh, upsetting movies that are, uh, fascinated by and horrified by the body, uh, at number 270, we have Kuso, uh, which was directed, of course, by Flying Lotus. Uh, which do we think is better, Kuso or, uh, Multiple Maniacs? You know, Kuso's got that singing butt cockroach. <laughs> That's true. It's got that going for it. So really, it's it's a battle between that cockroach and um, and Divine. Yeah. So actually, I think there I kind of want to give the edge to Kuso because there's more intentionality with what it's doing with those things where Multiple Maniacs is just kind of like this giant yop of I'm gay and frustrated about living in Baltimore. Yeah, Kuso is like has a body horror thesis and mm-hmm. multiple maniacs is literally here's a bunch of things I'm pissed off about. Yeah, which is perfectly wonderful. Like there's there's a punk rock energy to this movie that is really, really hard for other movies to replicate and I, I fucking love and salute it. Um actually, alright, so looking down the list a little bit, uh we have a queer panic movie high tension at 273. Um I'm giving the edge to multiple maniacs over high tension for me. Really? I yeah. can't believe this. I disagree. Yeah. I All think right. high tension is a better movie. Oh man, this is the Quincy. The, you know, this is growth on both of our parts. We, <laughs> all right, all right. So high tension, uh, a contentious boss battle on our podcast. So tell me, tell me why you think high tension should should take the goods? Because high tension again has a plot with a. <laughs> intentional theme right whereas multiple maniacs has a theme with no intentional plot (laughs) yeah that's true the plot i mean there there really is no actual plot there's like a series of upsetting moments that are sort of lashed together with like string like it's not it's not doing any of that actually all right so looking down the list a little bit um at number uh hear me out at number 415 is Spooky Buddies. <laughs> the movie about sacrificing puppy souls to dog Satan, which was also made primarily out of guilt for the death of puppies on the set of Snow Buddies. <laughs> which is a thing that gets lost in the mix a lot, and I want us to always be aware of the fact that they felt really guilty about all those puppies dying while making Snow Buddies. They, the, that franchise, I will say this to my grave, has more blood on their hands than... <laughs> cannibal holocaust technically it really does more actual animals were killed during snow buddies than in cannibal holocaust jesus it yeah yeah so all right so spooky buddies being ah all right so one of them is a spin-off 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 of air bud that uh, is about puppies that are ghosts after getting sacrificed by an evil wizard to dog satan um now all right i think i know what i'm all right so i know what i'm gonna do here 
I do think Spooky Buddies is better because it has a coherent plot of and any also kind. Williams, and the, also the and, divine of his generation. And Ryan Stiles and Diedrich Bader are in the mix. So at least they got to hang out and have lunch for one day of shooting, I'm I'm entirely <laughs> sure. Uh, but so I'm giving the edge to Spooky Buddies. However, right below that is Jaws 2, which is a it's fine, but it's so much more of the same in the way that was like it's like Jaws, but kind of not as good. Um where you know you've still got uh, Brody in the mix, but it's just like it's not it's it's a it's it's a capital F fine movie, but utterly forgettable. And I think that I want to give the edge to Multiple Maniacs because of how singular it is. Like I can't, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this. Here's the I, I hear what you're saying, and mm-hmm. here's the only other problem. At 4.47, we have Boulay Brothers. At 4.48, we have RuPaul's Drag Race. At 4.50, we have Satanus, The Devil's Mask, which is the predecessor in what can we do in a documentary to freak out the normies. Right. Right. So, we've got... So we've got this clutch of uh, transgression in this area. Now... That's a great point. Now, this film, Multiple Maniacs, is far more influential than Mm -hmm. all of those two episodes of Drag Queen reality TV (laughs) and a very bad documentary about Anton LaVey. Playing his Um, little Mellotron. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'll, that'll, oh, oh, that'll really freak out the normies. Good job there, Anton. Interviewing his neighbor about the lion shits that he had to clean up. (laughs) He won't clean up his goddamn lawn. It's unbelievable. So actually, I all right. I think I know what I want to do here. I think that it's better than all of those things, uh, including Boulay Brothers and RuPaul's Drag Race. However, right above that is Machiste in Hell, uh, <laughs> which is a sword and sandal classic of uh, Machiste the Barbarian uh, straining to shove down several columns. That That's a rollicking good homoerotic time. In the way that, like, I'm entirely sure that John Waters would love Machiste in Hell, and yes. probably has seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would agree that Machiste, uh, also translated as Hercules in, in some markets, mm-hmm. uh, cowards. Far, far better. Yeah. So, so yeah. Number 447. Is, yeah, is uh, Multiple Maniacs from 1970. I, you know what? I feel pretty good about that. We did it. Man, our guys, uh, once again, listeners, I want to thank you for uh, uh, being here with us today and not letting our sacrifice be in vain. Um, this is, you know what, this is one of those movies that I will never watch again, but I'm delighted to have watched the first time. Like, it's, I, you know, I don't really feel the need to revisit it ever, but it's sort of, all right, well, I've seen John Waters' first ever, you know, feature film before he did Pink Flamingo, so, you know, that's something. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? We are on a bevy of social media platforms. We are on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is uh, usually rank and file or rank and file cast, depending on what was taken. And um, if you if you are listening and you hold rank and file, um, and you're you're not us, we're coming for you. <laughs> just, <kidding. laughs> just we're give not it. Actually, going to do anything. But, give it. Uh, 
either give it to too. us, either give it to us, or give it to the really good grindcore band, also called Rank and Vile. Like one of can us. You, can you splice in Dave Batista? Give me what I want. <laughs> give me what I want. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. Um, and then also, guys, uh, check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/RankandVile. We have a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, we have an episode that's going to be uh, dropping uh, next week on the Patreon, where uh, I and my, my my buddy Julian Stewart are going to be doing rubber. Um, for five dollars, you can get Quincy and me talking about Cobra and Over the Top. Um, it's just the it's two a best Sylvester Stallone movies ever made. Yeah, and I just watched uh, Rambo: First Blood, and I can confirm best <laughs> Sylvester Stallone movies ever made. Uh, but yeah, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Yeah, uh, FaustianNonsense.com is where you can also get some rank and file merchandise. Yes, you can, including our There's Always Room for Jalo uh, t-shirt, uh, Deathmatch Wrestling in a bubbly uh, Lisa Frank font with a unicorn. We got mugs, we got shirts, we got uh, all manner of uh, merchandise, including uh, our classic logo stickers that uh, we have been, I think, hawking <laughs> as long as we've been around. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, but barring that, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks. <laughs>